Hi guys and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Maldives by Rashwimvi. It's me again, your host Afaf Adam, and on this podcast we talk about the latest news, hot topics, weird trends, and basically anything that I find interesting going on in our little island nation. So jumping right into it, this week's topic is climate change. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, but I think it's important to talk about because for as long as I can remember I've been hearing things like Maldives is set to disappear in a hundred years and more recently I've heard that it's going to be uninhabitable by 2050 and considering the fact that we're just one meter above sea level we'll probably be one of the first to go if the sea level does rise even by a little bit Climate change, which is long-term shifts in temperatures and weather patterns, has the potential to make us climate refugees. It can cause devastating natural disasters and even have other impacts like affecting people's fresh water supply. Right now, 97% of the country doesn't have fresh groundwater. People are collecting rainwater to survive. Back in 2020, the government of Maldives announced targets to reduce 26% of emissions and achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2030. We as a country have sort of been on the forefront talking about climate change. And the current environment minister, Shauna, she spoke to ABC and told them that more than 50% of our national budget is spent on adapting to climate change. So I guess the question remains that while Maldives is going out into the international sphere and talking about how we all need to work together to fight against climate change, are the solutions that we are implementing actually working? Are they effective? So to answer these questions, I brought on an industry professional. His name is Adam Mubin, and he's a civil engineer who is currently a PhD student at IHE Delft Institute for Water Education in the Netherlands. So yeah, let's see what he has to say. Okay, so guys, here with me today, I have Adam Mubin. So yeah, Mubin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello guys, um, I'm actually a civil engineer by background and I went into water and sanitation engineering and currently I'm actually doing my PhD on nature-based solutions and designing them um, in, uh, in a very, very technical way, I would say um, multifunctionality, um, robustness and adaptiveness, but then th- those words don't need to make sense to you because they're very, very technical. <laughs> All right, so explain like I'm five then. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, basically um, nature-based solutions in the first place is like taking things from ecosystems or nature that helps us adapt to what we see as climate risk and things like that, right? And now they are designed in a way that they don't only provide just risk reduction, but they also provide like things like uh, recreation. For example, think of a wetland. When you restore a wetland, you get, for example, water, like the benefit of flood risk reduction, right? 
along with that you also get nature benefits which is you get cleaner water you get cleaner air you also get a lot of space for different kinds of birds and other animals to come and live in at the same time there's other benefits for people things like cleaner air is also benefit for health benefits for people when you have more nature around you um, it's also nice to look at in general and maybe you could do some water sports like a little bit of kayaking or canoeing or uh, something like that also just by existing there you can also educate a lot of people on how wetlands and things work to um how preserving nature actually helps us as communities and things like that so that's that's what nature based solutions are we already know that when we do reclaim or uh do certain types of development by removing wetlands those are areas that frequently get flooded i don't want to pick out any examples per se but there are some very famous kuli and other areas that have been reclaimed uh, partially or otherwise um, but um these things like reclaiming them and doing these activities have directly led to floods and other things um, worsening over the last couple of years as well in addu and um i think in other places there are also places that get flooded because they are located in an area that used to be a wetland because that's where water naturally flows in an island a wetland is usually located in these kind of spaces and there are places that after reclamation for example places that never used to flood that now flood after reclamation so there is there are these relationships between um these kinds of development and um how things actually work and all of these things that actually lead to us being less safer compared to before as well so um protecting these things and using development in a sense that doesn't uh make things less safer for us so makes us more resilient is more important for us when we're talking about like these kind of things since you mentioned ado there has been a recent project that they launched where they are going to be reclaiming land and uh, expanding it right activists are saying that this is going to completely destroy the unesco biosphere there so uh, so yeah what are your thoughts on that project well um reclamation well the maldives what what the government says reclamation is something that's necessary because we need land for people to live on and all of those things right but at the same time you should understand that there's a lot of reclaimed land in the maldives that has in 10 20 30 years not been used at all there's only few places like kurumale and little places have seen the infrastructure development needed to actually bring people to live on these lands right so reclamation as itself is not something that will help us in the long run unless we have like other development taking in these places that will enable people to actually live on these lands which includes the electricity water sanitation services and stuff like that right and the roads and all of these things right um and while i might agree that we might need reclamation to an extent um it can be done in a way that it affects the environment a lot lot less because in the maldives what we have are like coral reef systems that are very 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 susceptible to like um ne- negative changes like uh, the sediment in the water which is like the sand that spreads in the water that makes it cloudy actually prevents um light from getting to corals another thing is they also form a layer of very fine soil or mud or something like that on top of corals that make it difficult for corals to breathe essentially and this can kill off coral so yes there is a chance that if you don't do it properly if you choose your methods wrong if you don't um protect um the areas around 
these colors and things before you do reclamation it will cause a significant amount of damage and also potentially also completely destroy those ecosystems I see. so there is the risk but done properly it could be but now the thing is we understand that in Maldives a lot of times when they do projects they will claim that um, they are doing things to protect and everything but um, the steps aren't quite as ad- quite adequate Okay, so I guess my next question would be what are some solutions that we can implement? What are some hybrid solutions that we should be going for instead of reclamation? Um, One is we definitely do need to protect our reef systems. Um, These are the reasons why our islands exist in the first place. I can't tell you a lot about reef biology but I can tell you what reefs do for us. The reefs take a lot of the energy that comes from like these large waves and stuff and ensure that they don't hit our islands as badly as they would otherwise. So they're, they're like a layer of protection around our islands. And if you take strip the layer away or if you kill that, they will no longer grow or adapt to uh, these coming changes. If we keep putting them further under risk, they will not even adapt to like the increasing temperatures or anything like that. They don't have any chances to because we are giving them like so much strain from all directions, right? We need to protect our water resources. We need to protect wetlands and like like the swampy areas and different things in different areas. Most of the very unique features that make Maldives Maldives is what we really, really need to protect. In if if we are to stand even a chance of maybe like surviving, but there's also a possibility that in the worst case scenario, um, that might not be quite enough and that's something that's a reality that's very difficult for us to digest but that is a reality that we will have to eventually look and consider yeah it's really sad that we might have to be climate refugees sometime in the future probably sometime in our lifetime right yes Um, yeah that is i can't imagine that yeah that's that's a lot of existential dread right there yeah, yeah, that definitely is. So there's a lot of like anxieties. And I actually read this article in the National Geographic where this one lady, she said she said that the Maldivian people, we have this very interesting connection with the ocean where we kind of, we accept how dangerous it is, right? And we accept its impermanence. And that the, this is one line that, really kind of made me think and I want to know your opinion. So this is a quote by Toiba Said, an anthropologist and Uh (laughs) you know her. (laughs) Yes, so she said that the idea that an island will last forever (laughs) is against nature and that made me really think and wonder what is your opinion on that? Mm. I think that's true. I think um, a lot of models, most of us living in cities may have disconnected with that idea of understanding that islands are dynamic things. They aren't things that just stay still and grow all the time. It's, it's not really not that. There's so many factors around um, how islands actually survive, grow or get smaller or disappear. There's a lot of things around our islands that make our islands habitable per se. The access to all of these food that comes from uh, these reefs and stuff. Without reef systems, we probably wouldn't have as much tuna, we wouldn't have reef fish and stuff like that, right? So like, um, there are islands that are dependent, completely dependent on 
these fisheries and stuff that come from them our tourism depends on our biosphere tourism is selling our biodiversity yes that's it which is the beautiful reefs that form from like all of because of these systems like this we're selling like surfing we're selling with liverboats we're selling diving and all of these things all of these things will not exist without these things without protecting them without actually proactively taking steps to protect them not like passively oh um, we're just going to do something during this project that's going to help them a little bit no no not like that you need to actively have things that protect rebuild and um, help them my last question for you is that the countries that are creating the highest amount of greenhouse gases china oh, the have US, historically yes and have china united mm-hmm. states and india like they are the most responsible for it but if they are not trying to do anything about it do you think that by modives like the amount of pressure that we are putting or the things that we are doing is going to make a difference the thing is what maldives um itself does on a standing will only built to adaptation and reducing damage right so mitigation in the climate sense is when you're reducing the amount of carbon going into the atmosphere maldives is just a tiny tiny blip in that huge thing what the most of the west which is europe us russia china and india which is the biggest developers are doing now without the world as a whole reducing that it will not so even if it's a little blip that we're doing it's still relevant if a lot of places does little things at the same time it becomes a big thing right so in that sense what maldives does is also relevant in that area but a lot of our survivability will depend on adaptation and reduction of losses um when it comes to damage related to climate risk and whatnot so it's still important for us to reduce the carbon we're putting down but it's much 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 more important for maldives to spend on adaptation and um effective uh, loss reduction measures all right okay so those are all my questions thank you so much for joining me and i'm so happy i could do this for you (laughs) yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast okay i hope you guys found that interview with mubeen as insightful as i did because i think he highlighted some very important points First, the harmful effects of climate change like soil erosion, the lack of fresh water, and the fact that it's killing off our biodiversity, which is something that has an economic impact as well because our livelihoods, our businesses depend on that. As he said, we have been selling tourism as our main export for so long, and it is something that we are as a nation heavily dependent on secondly that mitigating the effect on coral reefs are the most important part of fighting the effects of climate change in the maldives and third that reclamation as we're doing it right now is harmful but it can be done in a better way it just seems that the government doesn't want to do it in a better way I think activist Humaida Abdul Ghafoor said it best. She told reporters that our politicians have become exactly like the autocrats before them who they used to fight against. 
she pointed out their double speak or basically how two-faced or fake they are when it comes to the issue of climate change. She said that at the end of the day, these politicians are putting their business interests ahead of the common people's livelihoods and resources. I really agree with her on this. I think she really hit the nail on the head. And the sad part is, like Mubin mentioned, with the way that things are going right now, if we don't take proactive action, there actually might be no hope. The solutions might not be good enough. I think when confronted with these facts, it can be very overwhelming and depressing. And it just seems that Maldivians are living alongside this fact and just continuing with their lives because there's nothing that they can, on an individual level, do about it. It's really scary that in my lifetime, we might have to see our own people becoming climate refugees. So this is an anxiety that I personally have. What about you guys? Do you agree that our politicians are two-faced and saying one thing on the international stage and then saying something else to us? And have you also given up on these politicians and decide that migration would be the best option? How do you personally deal with the fact that maybe one day you might have to be a climate refugee? I'm going to leave you guys with those questions because with that, we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this information valuable or at least it was new or interesting. I do want to apologize for publishing this episode late. Life's been a little hectic for me, but I'll be back next week with another episode. And yeah, I hope to see you there. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.